Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no. <laughs> Poland, probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausage. No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland, sausages, <laughs> pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast. Hi. This is Bogorzata Borinkowska, your host, and you're listening to episode 87 of Polcast, recorded and produced by me in Toronto. When I was working on my last episode of Polcast, special episode number 86, Tribute to Ukraine, I was kind of hoping that maybe in the next one, number 87, I will be talking about the rebuilding of the destroyed Ukrainian cities and towns, about new hope after the end of the war. I had no idea then how much more horrific each day of this never-ending war would be, how many more atrocities would be committed, and how many more victims and suffering the whole world would witness. Today is Orthodox Easter Sunday. It is so hard for Ukrainians to celebrate it the way it should be celebrated, with joy, in the spirit of new beginnings. All I can say and wish to you, our Ukrainian friends, sisters and brothers, is peace. Without that, nothing is possible or makes any sense. That's why this is the second episode of Polcast as tribute to Ukraine. This one will be about help because the world is doing all it can to help Ukraine and will never leave it alone. Ladies and gents, please welcome on stage our first band, these beautiful keepers of Ukrainian culture, this glorious contemporary folk band with some grassroots sounds sprinkled on top. Korinya means roots in English. This is a contemporary folk band that presents Ukrainian folk music with fresh grassroots sound. Please put your hands together.
Hello, good evening. We are Korinya, Ukrainian folk band. Um, the song you just heard was Plivakacha, and that has become sort of a lament. It began becoming that in 2014 on Maidan during the Revolution of Dignity, uh, which occurred mostly in Kiev, um, when many hundreds of people were killed just for standing up for their rights to self-determination. Um, and that successfully ousted a president, uh, but then catalyzed the war, the annexation of Crimea, the occupation of Donbass and Luhansk, uh, and has created the conflict you see today. This hauntingly beautiful music by Corinia was played at a huge concert organized in Toronto as the reaction of local artists to the horrible war in Ukraine to show their solidarity and love and to raise money for Ukraine. The idea of this great concert came from two Polish folk singers from the renowned group Polki, Ala Stasiuk and Ewelina Ferenc, and the main organizers were all women. This concert title with Ukraine was truly Canadian, as multicultural as Canada is. We all live here on lands that were taken from their original indigenous inhabitants, guards and protectors of these lands for thousands of years. This is why each public event here always starts with what we call land acknowledgement. Here is the land acknowledgement from that concert in Toronto. Good evening, everyone. I would like to begin this evening by welcoming on stage Tamar Ilana, who will be leading us in our land acknowledgement with her father, Robert Adams. Thank you. My name is Tamar. I'm of Jewish, Romanian, Scottish, and Indigenous descent. Uh, my indigenous family is from Treaty 4 territory in Saskatchewan, Fort Capel. My dad here. Dad, where are you? <laughs> come, come, come. And uh, Robert Adams, thank you, is uh, a tribe of Pasqua First Nation, a member of the tribe of Pasqua First Nation. And as, as many of us know by now, we're standing in Toronto, a land that has been taken care of for thousands and thousands of years by the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, the Haudenosaunee, the Anishinaabe, the Ojibwe people, and many others, and now by us. Yeah, somebody laughed, but it should be true. 
We're here to take care of the land, the water, but also of each other. And that's really why we're here, gathered here on this land tonight, to take care of each other here in this space and around the world, and our brothers and sisters in Ukraine who are suffering dearly right now. And I've been fortunate enough to be a member of the Ukrainian community now for over a decade. And some of my dearest and closest and most beloved friends are of that community and their families are there suffering. And really, we're here to stand, to support, to share love, and to be together on this land. Thank you all for being here. The two MCs of the concert were a Ukrainian and a Russian. Misha, the Russian host, said this at the beginning. But unfortunately here, we cannot change everything about the war. But let me tell you what we can do. What you are going to see tonight and all the people that you're going to witness, and this is also a reminder for all the artists that are going to be here tonight, is one big, beautiful family that we got the chance to build together. It is not necessarily a blood family, but it's the people that chose to be together because they're here to care for something good and do something good. And war is a war on humanity. And uh, when you are becoming a refugee, it is not necessarily something that you choose to be, but it's simply something that happens to you. And every single band here, 99% of them are either immigrants and many of them are refugees. And they're all a glorious, beautiful representation of what Toronto can be and what Toronto can give birth to, this glorious, magical web of cultures and sound. You will get the chance to see every single person here doing something that they do best, and that is bring change through art and bring light from the darkness. Because that's what family does. When shit is bad, we come together and we try to do something about it. What can be more multicultural than that? Well, almost 800 people came that night to Toronto Opera House and enjoyed the concert, which lasted over four hours. Over 60 artists took the stage. Over 100 volunteers were involved including musicians, visual artists, and organizers. Please listen to my conversation with Evelina Ferenc, an amazing Polish artist, composer, multi-instrumentalist, and vocalist. She's the founder, lead singer, and manager of Polki. And she came up with this idea of organizing the concert together with Ala Stasiuk. Recently, at the prestigious Canadian Folk Music Awards, Evelina won the main award in the category of Traditional Singer of the Year. We featured Evelina and Polki in episode 51 of Polcast. Evelina, we last spoke on Polcast in, wow, 2018, which is four years ago, over four years ago. Yeah. Um, that's right. Now, the, the group has changed its name because then it was called Pol- Polky Village Band, right? Now it's yes. called Polky in those four years. What oh has gosh. changed? <laughs> I so know. Thanks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we changed the name uh, because it was confusing and sometimes when we performed, people called us Polka Band, Polky Village, Village Band. So we were just like, no, guys, this is just Polky Village Band. This is not so difficult. And then we we just changed it to Polky just to make things shorter and 
easier to remember, I guess. But also Polki means Polish girls. So we wanted to kind of highlight that this band is led by women from Poland. Yeah, so I think that was successful. And we also released our first uh, debut album, uh, and it's called Songs from Home. And this album, it was such a big adventure and such a long adventure. This was my first time that I was kind of coordinating the, the release and recording. So it it was like a whole project that I had to coordinate. So I So it was lots of learning, but we did it and it was, I think, successful because uh, it was even nominated to Canadian Folk Music Awards, which is like pretty prestigious award uh, event in Canada. So basically all Canadian folk music groups can uh, submit their work, their album, their music to, the, to that awards. There's like more than 20 different categories. So we were nominate, nominated in three categories, which is already a big achievement for a band like us, for like a Polish folk band that I, I don't think a Polish folk music band was ever nominated. <clears throat> so I think that was pretty big achievement. And we were nominated to three awards, which is huge. Global Roots Music Album of the Year, a new emerging artist of the year, and traditional singer of the year for for Evelina Ferenc, for me. Congratulations. So, yeah, was, yeah, thank you so much. So yeah, it was like, we were just proud and, and happy that we could achieve that with the first album. Your album was not only nominated, but it actually won the main prize in one of the categories. Yes, I guess I'm pretty humble about this, but it won. <laughs> you should be proud. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm proud, of course. But it won Traditional Singer of the Year for myself so yeah so so congratulations so we'll so i hope we'll be able to hear a song at least one of your songs from that album yes of course fantastic in the meantime and this is not so much about your your professional life but you got married then you had a little daughter who is now how old is she now uh, so she will be two in July. So yeah, it's a pandemic July. baby. <laughs> yeah, the pandemic baby that that actually took part in all kinds of protests. You're married to a Ukrainian man, right? You, yes. Which obviously must make this whole situation in Ukraine even closer to home for you. Yes, for sure. Uh, my, I mean, dad, of course, because of his family and like we celebrate Ukrainian traditions like we always every year we celebrate two christmases polish and ukrainian and the same with easter so yeah so so yeah for sure this is really important to me to to kind of spread the the awareness about what's happening in ukraine but also because we have so many friends ukrainian friends musicians who play with us with us and i also in 2010 i lived in ukraine for for one year i stayed in lviv where I learned Ukrainian and I met so many, oh, sorry, I think my daughter just woke up. <laughs> yeah, so um, so in 2010, I lived in Lviv. So this was like a huge experience, an amazing experience for me to, to be there, to meet Ukrainians, to learn the language. Ukraine it was, it was just always a huge part of who I am. Where does your husband come from? Which part of Ukraine? So they come from Western Ukraine, but he's the third generation. So Mm-hmm. So he's born here, but his grandparents came to, to Canada. But because this tradition is pretty 
you can hear my dog. Don't worry, right? that's great. That's fine. That's natural. Okay. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because they really are proud of their tradition. So my husband was able to learn Ukrainian when he was little it's because his grandfather spoke with him in Ukrainian. So it's really important for them to to kind of keep the tradition alive. So now you know the language. And are you teaching your little girl uh, Ukrainian as well? Yes, we speak to her in three languages, Polish, Ukrainian, and English. So we hope that she will will (laughs) learn, she will like speak fluently. I hope she will speak fluently Polish, of course. So she'll be trilingual. Hopefully. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Now, I I have to go to this uh, very, uh, you know, not such a pleasant part of our conversation. And this is, of course, the war in Ukraine. And um, an incredible campaign that you guys organized your 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 group uh, in a very short time. I was very impressed that in such a short time you managed to to gather such a big group of multilingual, multi-ethnic people uh, who decided to perform in this fantastic concert at the Opera House in Toronto. Can you tell us about that concert? It wasn't polky only. It was like a collective effort. So it was. A team of eight women organizing the whole event. Yeah, it was all women team, eight strong women and musicians of different backgrounds, I would say. And like different, like parts of being part of different groups in Toronto. On February 24, when the invasion happened, Alastasia, my friend from Polki, contacted all of us on Messenger. And she asked, what are we going to do? Because like we we knew that there's something that we we can do, but we didn't know yet what this could be. So I remember that for me it was like such an obvious answer to that. I knew that we have to organize a concert because that's what we know the best. That's what we can do as musicians. We can organize a concert and raise funds to to donate to Ukraine. Uh, and I also knew that we have to go big. So we 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 shouldn't limit ourselves to like a smaller venue. We shouldn't be afraid that we won't sell the event or like that people won't come because we knew that people will come because it's such a big collective effort. We all have a huge fan base, I would say, and we all know so many people in the city, so we don't have to be afraid to go big and to like organize this event as soon as possible because it was urgent for us to, to collect as much money as possible in a short period of time because we knew that it needed uh, in Ukraine. So I contacted Opera House. And the lady who who runs the opera house, it's a family-run business. Uh, And she told me on the phone when I spoke with her that she will donate the venue to us because this problem is really close to her family story because they came from Cyprus in 1974 as refugees to Canada. So she was a little girl, but she still remembers her family journey. So she told us that, yeah, I, I will donate the, the venue to you so you don't have to worry about paying me. So this was already such a big help and such a great gesture from, from her. And then all the artists that we asked to play, of course, didn't charge us any fee. Everybody's time and talent was donated to us. So we had about 55 artists. We had 12 acts, so like 12 different bands. Uh, play playing on stage and including Misha Berger Grossman who is like a very known Toronto opera singer and James Kerrigan he's a bass player of 
bare naked ladies, which I didn't mm. know before because I'm from Poland, of course. <laughs> so I don't know so many Canadian bands. But yeah, people explained to me that this is a big deal that he decided oh. to, to join the, the show and donated his time. Yeah, so, so we had people like this participating and performing for free. I think what is also incredible, what I liked about your idea is that it's a multicultural country. It's a multilingual, multi-ethnic, multicultural country. And many people have these stories, right, of being immigrants who came from all kinds of places in the world. And you managed to instill this Canadian vibe, this Canadian spirit, and you've got people that are from different ethnic backgrounds. That was fantastic. And, and for them, this this problem wasn't so far from what they experienced, as you said, because like we had a Syrian friend, we came to his concert and we sang Ukrainian songs during his set. And he said that he doesn't understand what we sing about, but he just could feel all the emotions because it's exactly the same emotions he has when he had to leave Syria and come to Canada as okay. refugee. So yeah, this was our message. We wanted to, of course, donate to Ukraine because it's it's an it's an urgent issue right now. But we didn't want to forget about other people who are affected by any conflicts at the moment, which is like a lot of people in many countries. So we, we didn't want to forget about that. So what was the result? What was the effect? How much did you raise and how many people came? So we think it was 800. We sold about 800 tickets. Um but plus volunteers and plus all the artists, the total number of people was 1,000 people, mm. participants. Uh, and then we collected about $30,000 from just the ticket sales. We also had visual artists donated their artwork to us. So we were selling that during the event. And this way we collected another $5,000. So the total amount of money we collected was $35,000. Fantastic. Where did it go? Yeah, so most of that went to the Canadian-Ukrainian organization uh, that's called Help Us Help. Usually they work during the normal times, I would say. They work with orphans and they, they organize programs and summer camps uh, in Ukraine for all orphans. But right now they had to switch their activities so now they purchase this individual uh, first aid kits i think it's called ifax recently I, I just read on the website that they purchased about 360 boxes of stuff that was sent to ukraine so so that's what they do and the, of course medical supplies different equipment and but also they, they run a refugee center. So I think they host at the moment about 100 families or 100 refugees in, in Western Ukraine, in Carpathian Mountains. So of course they need food, they need, you know, they, they need like lots of things to provide for them. And they also evacuate orphans and families from different areas where the conflict is and where it's not safe for them to be. So we know that this money went to the right organization, yes. doing the right things, because they, they have lots of offices and lots of people on the ground. So they work with, with people on the ground. Right. Now, how do you generally evaluate the response of the artist, arts community in Toronto mm -hmm. to the crisis, to the war? The community I'm part of, of course, responds really well. What else we do? We also 
uh, do this kind of guerrilla singing when we visit different bars and different um, restaurants. I only know from Ala that this is how it started, right? Yeah. That you actually yeah. were going around and singing. Yes, and this keeps happening. So this way we can, whenever we know that some of our friends or somebody has a concert somewhere, we can we ask them usually if, if they don't mind if we come to sing one or, or two songs and say something about Ukraine and like spread the awareness about what's happening. Everybody usually agrees, of course. So mm -hmm. we, we were like singing at different venues in Toronto at different events. Like one of my friends organized Pierogi for Peace, which was mm -hmm. like at the Ukrainian church in the basement where like, I don't know how many volunteers, but hundreds of volunteers were making pierogies. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, of course, sold. And all the proceeds were donated to to Ukrainian organ organizations. So we were singing there. There, We sing at different, like, pisanki workshops. Like, you know, the, the egg uh, mm -hmm. painting workshops that, that our friends organized. So I think this way, we that's, that's the, one of the best ways to, to spread the, the awareness about what's happening. Because people were telling us that even though they didn't, they're not Ukrainian or like they didn't read a, a lot about what's happening. But because because we came to them and we showed them that, that this is important, they they are either donated the next day or like read about this and educated themselves. So I think this works. So yeah. And we also share when whenever we perform, we have a website which is called withukraine.ca, where we also tell this website to people and they can find lots of resources there and links to donate to organizations that are, I would say, verified. So I think that's one of the best ways to, to spread the awareness. Thank you, Evelina. That's wonderful. That's really a fantastic initiative. And this going around with the message, I think that is of really special importance. I don't know if anybody else does it anywhere, but maybe by listening to this conversation, they will feel inspired. Who knows? Yes, if you want us to come, just let us know. On okay. .ca, there's like a form that you can just write okay. to us and book us. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks <laughs> yeah, a lot. Thank you so now, much. Now, can you also tell me what kind of music would you be able to play for us for a podcast? I guess the, the songs from our CD, that mm -hmm. will be the best, right? Because that's our newest accomplishment. So I think that will be great if you guys can listen to and have a peek to our award-winning album. <laughs> you can learn more about Polki and their music at mypolcast.com. We all help Ukraine in any way we can. Canada is at the forefront of this global effort as it is inhabited by the second largest Ukrainian diaspora in the world. Over 1.4 million Canadians have Ukrainian roots. But the campaign I will present to you is so amazing that it's almost hard to believe that this gigantic machine worked out 
not only came to fruition, but much exceeded the originally planned scope. United for Ukraine is the brainchild of two former politicians from the Canadian province of Alberta. Former Deputy Premier of the province of Alberta and its minister, Thomas Wukashuk, a Pole who immigrated to Canada with his family as a teenage boy, and his former boss, Ed Stelmak, former Premier of this western province of Alberta, a Ukrainian by origin. What did they do? Well, they arranged for the largest Boeing 787 Dreamliner belonging to Lot Polish Airlines with Ukrainian refugees on board to fly from Poland to Edmonton, where it was loaded with 30 tons of highly specialized equipment and supplies collected there. And then it flew back with that cargo to Poland from where these precious supplies were transported to Ukraine. Well, so much was collected that the organizers are sending 10 more containers by sea. Not only did the organizers get the Lot Polish Airlines to donate the airplane, but they also received a donation of 50 tons of jet fuel from Shell and numerous donations, tons of donations from a variety of companies, from Alberta fire departments, and hundreds and hundreds of people. I'm talking to the one who started this unbelievable campaign, Thomas Wukashuk, whom I reached in Edmonton. Canada is helping Ukraine in many, many different ways, both the government and people. It's just massive effort. But there was one campaign which I am so impressed with and so incredibly happy to, to be able to present to you. And the person who is behind it, one of the two, is Thomas Wukashuk from Edmonton. Let's briefly talk about what, what you guys managed to do and why did you do it? Well, thank you. Well, the why is, is the easiest uh, answer. Why not? There is a tragedy. There is a, a carnage. Uh, there is genocide going on. And, and if anyone can help in any way, one should. So, so there wasn't even a question why or if. The question was how. Um, I, I, my colleague, my premier, when I was deputy premier and minister, was Ed Stelmak in Alberta. And he is uh, one of the proudest and probably best known Ukrainian Canadians in Canada. Um, so uh, after watching news, and I'm sure as you and your listeners are watching news now every night uh, from different networks uh, uh, about Ukraine, I decided that there is something that we must do that is more than just watching news and, and feeling sorry for them. So Late that night, I called Ed Stelmack and said, look, let's do something, and I didn't have to convince him at all. And, and the idea was actually quite modest. All we wanted to do is, is collect some medical equipment from, from government of Alberta and other entities and, and from fire departments and, and somehow courier it to Ukraine um, to hopefully save some lives. But the moment we put the word out and, and made a few phone calls, this started organically to grow on us. And, uh, and, and, and there were phone calls and emails and they were inundated with requests. How can we help? What can we donate? So it, it got to the point where at the Polish Hall in Edmonton, outside on the parking lot, we designated two days where people can come and drop things off. We, we provided a list of most needed items, which included not only medical and first aid equipment, but uh, new sleeping bags, 
uh, diapers, feminine hygiene products, and, and things of that nature. I have to tell you, uh, we were overwhelmed. Uh, there were literally thousands of cars on those two days and trucks uh, bringing in supplies and dropping them off at the Polish Hall to the point where we needed, at the end of those two days, two warehouses to store all this stuff. Uh, over 300 tons, $20 million worth of goods were collected in two days. Um, so it became you know, abundantly obvious to, to Premier Stelmach and myself that there is just no way we can, we can courier this. We, um, we, we need to arrange for logistics and to ship it. But there was equipment that needed to get there right away. Uh, you know, hydraulic equipment to excavate uh, collapsed buildings and, and remove people from underneath collapsed buildings, diagnostic medical equipment, morphine, painkillers, entire suites of surgical tools uh, to perform uh, surgeries. So that had to be there, not in a month, but yesterday. So um, we concluded that we need an airplane. And uh, where does one get an airplane? Hmm. Uh, and and <laughs> I don't know. I never needed to procure airplanes. But I remembered once flying to Poland on a Polish airline flight, a, a co-passenger, a very uh, personable uh, individual with a big personality who told me then that he is the only Polish race car driver that has ever won the Grand Prix in Monte Carlo. Um, and, and I verified that to be true. And then we stayed in touch uh, for many, many years since then. But he also then said that if you ever need anything in Poland, just give me a call. I, I spend a lot of time over there. I know many people. I, I will always assist you. So I called. His name is Robert Mucha, M-U-C-H. I called him and, and said, Robert, I have a strange request. Do you know anybody at Polish Airlines lot? And he laughed. He says, well, do I know anybody? Of course I do. He says, I know the president. What do you want? And he put me in touch with the president, introduced me to the president. And this is where the strangest thing has happened. When I hung up the phone, I couldn't believe it. After a 15-minute conversation, I had a donation of a Boeing 787 Dreamliner um, to fly from Warsaw to Edmonton to where this lot doesn't fly at all um, and to pick up uh, this most important cargo. Um, to be delivered to uh, Warsaw and then from Warsaw to um, to Ukraine. You now you had this huge, huge, huge plane, right? But I understand that you also decided that it doesn't make sense for the plane to fly empty. Well, that's correct. Uh, so the plane would be flying empty from Warsaw to Edmonton and, and then be loaded to the maximum with cargo uh, on its way back. So the idea of, of bringing refugees naturally arose. And, and, and here goes a big thank you to our Deputy uh, Prime Minister Freeland, our, our diplomatic corps um, in our Canadian embassy in Warsaw, and the Polish Ministry of Internal Affairs. Um, they managed to identify um, refugees who have the proper document and are ready and willing to come to Canada, and they even managed to match them uh, with, in some cases, very distant relatives and in some cases, uh, good friends. Uh, in Canada. So when this Dreamliner was flying to Edmonton, it wasn't flying empty anymore. It had 64 refugees uh, on board. And that's a, that, that actually brings me to a question. Why wasn't it full, right? Why wasn't it 250 people, which it could have brought? There, there are reasons, and I want you to tell us what they are. There are very good reasons. And, and you know, often I, I read in the papers, and I'm no apologist for any government, but people are being critical of government. But in this case, we have to be 
um, reasonable about it. Uh, the issue is this. Number one, even before the war, only 13, one, three, 13 percent of Ukrainians have a valid passport. So the number of Ukrainians who are, let's say, now in Poland, it's one and a half million or so, only 13 percent of them have a passport to begin with. Second of all, uh, Ukrainians require a visa to enter Canada. And some would say, well, come on, it's wartime, let them in. Well, no, we can't, because unfortunately, there are bad guys who only wait for conflicts to happen anywhere in the world to take advantage of the situation. And in this case, believe it or not, Russians are pretending to be Russian-speaking Ukrainians from Eastern Ukraine to enter Canada and the United States. They're looking, they're using this as an excuse to get out of Russia. So this visa process and verification is very important. And then there's a human side. Uh, Ukrainians don't really want to leave Poland. They want to be next door to Ukraine, where their fathers, sons, brothers are fighting the war. They're hoping that this conflict is not long-lasting. They hope, they hope to go back in a week or two. Coming to Canada is, is more of a permanent immigration, not something that you would do just to wait out the conflict, which you hope won't last more than the next few days. So that's the reason why. But 64 came. Were they all women and children? Uh, yes, they were all females and children, uh, except for one a young man um, who is 17 and a half years old, who lost his entire family in Ukraine. He came here as an orphan and was matched with very distant relatives that the Polish Ministry of Interior was was, was able to, to locate with our Canadian embassy. So... To just sum up this whole thing, because it was what? Numerous, numerous volunteers, various organizations that you already mentioned. We should not forget about this very special organization, which was very close, closely connected with the, or actually co-organizing the campaign, right? The Polish-Canadian Historical Society, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's a group from, from Edmonton. They, they stepped in because, uh, you know, we had one week. To, to build this, this, this massive um, enterprise that we put together. So we had no time to incorporate entities. So uh, they lent their entity to us so we can use banking and, and do banking through that entity. Uh, but also they provided us with, with numerous volunteers. So that's, that's the society. Ukrainian Canadian Congress was very pivotal too. Um, they actually were the, the organization that verified that the families um, who will be hosting these uh, refugees are are truly ready and willing to to host, and that they will be at the airport to pick him up. Um, so, so it was a pleasure working with with mm-hmm. the Congress. Uh, as I mentioned, our Canadian government, uh, you know, uh, people are not accustomed to, to hearing good things about government, but the, the office of the Deputy Prime Minister was nothing but a pleasure to work with. The, the question always was um, not if, but how, and the embassy. Um, it was 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 just incredible as well. And then media, your entity, your your Gazeta, promoting what we're doing, uh, letting people know, uh, definitely contributed to the amount of donations that we have received. In Edmonton, we have a Polish language National Radio Canada uh, program that was continuously uh, promoting what it is that we're doing. And and mainstream media were extremely generous with their airtime and and their paper um, in in promoting what we're doing. So. Um, it, it was uh, it was one of those initiatives where we're not encountering many obstacles. We we were doing very daring things, but everybody seemed to do everything they possibly could to make this happen. And the beauty of it is that those who answered your appeal to donate to help in all kinds of ways were not just Ukrainians. We're not just Poles. 
oh, by all means, um, you know, where the thousands of vehicles that were pulling up in front of the Polish Hall and everything, um, there were people of all walks of life, all creeds and, and, and cultural backgrounds. Um, that was something very interesting. And, and, you know, one thing that I, you know, uh, thought of watching this happen was that this was just a few weeks after, you know, the freedom convoys in, in Canada and blocking of Ottawa and all that. And and some of the same people, judging by the stickers on their pickup trucks and, and their hockey sticks with Canadian flags on them, were now lining up and donating to Ukraine. So, you know, this was one of those convoys that I, I welcome and I think all Canadians welcome. It, it was nice to see that after we were so divided as Canadians uh, because of COVID and, and, and all related things. This, sadly, it had to take a war in Ukraine, mm. really brought us together. This war is uniting a lot of people, which is in one way wonderful, but on the other hand, really sad and terrifi- terrifying because of the price. The high price to pay. Exactly. To right. But I understand you guys managed to get so much stuff that you could not send it back on that one Dreamliner. There's more to be sent to Poland now. That's right. Well, that Dreamliner took only the most time-sensitive medical equipment, so and that would be about 10% of the volume of what we have collected. So we now now have two warehouses full of goods that were collected, the 90% of everything. That will be shipped now uh, via sea cans, containers uh, to Poland, uh, and then subsequently to Ukraine uh, from Edmonton, probably within the next uh, few days. But, you know, the the demand is actually quite interesting. Obviously, the demand in Ukraine grows, uh, but the demand to help in Canada also grows. So Ed Stelmach and I are, are planning to to continue this effort because if, if there is a need and if there is a will, then then we don't want to stand in any way of, of preventing it from happening. But we will be shifting now from collecting items and goods to collecting money. And and here, kudos go to uh, the president of the city of Warsaw, Mr. Chaskowski. Um, he has created a, a sort of a loose informal organization of municipal leaders in Ukraine who now don't have city halls and don't have their own administration, but they're feeding information to him what is needed where, and he from Warsaw is coordinating it. And and these items can all be bought in Poland or, or anywhere else in the mm-hmm. EU and, and don't require distant shipping from, from Canada. So we will get better return on a dollar. So we will be looking at um, at sending dollars. Um, our Canadian embassy, again, is very much helpful in, in, in seeing this happen. Um, and as needs in Ukraine shift uh, almost daily, um, money will be more responsive to those needs than, than us collecting items here and then shipping them by sea. Probably now you guys should be some kind of heroes in Ukraine. <laughs> well, no, you know the, the heroes actually should be people that donated. Those people who waited for an hour and a half to, to drop off a box of diapers uh, in mm-hmm. front of Polish Hall. You know, that's I think that's where the real heroism is. That 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 people who have no connection to Ukraine whatsoever went to Costco uh, or who knows where and, and picked up a, a box of, of items that we need, waited for so long just to drop it off, and and wrote beautiful messages often on those boxes, uh, which was mm-hmm. very touching. Like what? Be strong. You're not alone. We love you. Um, things will get better. Um, in many cases, prayers and poems. Um, children in schools in Edmonton wrote letters and made crafts. So we actually are including boxes of letters from children to children. There was that. There's that emotional connection also. 
So please keep us posted and we will be happy to let people know how they can contribute because a lot of people don't even know where, right? They're trying to support all kinds of uh, campaigns and I'm sure all of those campaigns need to be supported. But once you know, please let us know what we can do to help. And I want to thank you so much and just to express my incredible admiration for this absolutely amazing campaign when you did it all for free everything was free the transportation everything I, I can't even believe that it's possible thank you so much thank you what can i say a huge thank you and congratulations on making the seemingly impossible possible you can learn more about this campaign at mypodcast.com If you're interested in what's written about Poland in English, online articles published in many countries by many media outlets, we post them daily on Polcast Facebook. As you may expect, 90% of them are now about Poland and Ukraine. Let me take this opportunity to thank all Polcast listeners and our kind donors. I love you all. For a lot of additional information, multimedia links, please visit the website at mypodcast.com. And while you're there, please share your comments, your reactions, and suggest ideas. And if you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. Tell them about Polcast. And don't forget to rate this episode on your favorite podcast app. Please help Ukraine and Ukrainians in their struggle for freedom and peace. Slava Ukraini. And I leave you with a beautiful song by Polki. Kopanitsa. Mm-hmm.